0: Good morning, International Church of Prague. We are so glad that you've joined with us today to worship the Lord and to discover more about who He is from His Word. We're continuing our series entitled Pathways, and it's designed to help you and I grow both in our understanding of who God is and in the intimacy of the relationship that we have with Him personally. It's all about knowing God and learning how we can make God known to others as well. Today's pathway focuses in on blessing the Lord, learning to express adoration for who God is and for all that he has done. Much of our Pathway series will be rooted in the book of Psalms. And, and the Psalms are often an overlooked treasure. But I want to encourage you to search through the Psalms, find out what they say about God himself. In fact, did you know That nearly 50% of the quotes from the Old Testament that we find recorded in the New Testament come from the Psalms. Isn't that amazing? What it means is, is that Jesus' heart himself was saturated with the Psalms. So were the disciples. That's where they go. That's where they quote from in much of the things that they're teaching us through the Scriptures. So the Psalms is a very important place for us to spend time as followers of Jesus. And I want to encourage you to spend some time each and every day in the Psalms. The simplest way to do that is to take the date. Today's the 18th. And so you would read Psalm 18. And if you have more time, you can read up to five Psalms a day. And over the course of a month, you would read all the way through the book of Psalms. So in other words, On the 18th, you would read Psalm 18, spend some time there, and then you'd add 30 to that and spend time in Psalm 48 and add 30 to that, which would be Psalm 78, and so on and so on. Now, you don't have to to do all five psalms, but I do encourage you to spend time in at least one of them and do so looking to know God for who He is. In fact, here's a prayer that maybe you and I can pray together. It's simply this. Ask the Holy Spirit to create in you a growing love for God. He can create a passion in you and I. He can change our heart. Ask Him to fan the flames of your personal desire for God to replace perhaps a lukewarm attitude with an abiding longing for closeness. If you pray that, I'm confident that the Lord will draw you close because that's what he's promised to do in his word. Our pathway today will explore a psalm of praise that helps us understand how to bless God. Now, that may seem like a foreign concept because most of the time when we think of blessing, we think of God's blessing towards us or we express a blessing on someone else. But how often do we spend time blessing God? Well, Psalm 103 is all about doing exactly that. Blessing God is worship. And there's a progression of worship in Psalm 103 that I believe parallels our growth in learning to love God with all that we are. You see, worship is the natural outgrowth of love for God our love must be expressed. If we truly love the Lord, it's going to come out in our actions, in our attitudes, in our words, in the praise of our life. Worship is an expression of our gratitude for God, first of all, for his blessings, and our heart cry over his being. Listen to what it says in the beginning of Psalm 103, and I want to encourage you to turn there in your Bibles, either in a physical Bible like this or an app that you have on your phone or tablet. Let's look at Psalm 103. We're only going to get halfway through the psalm today, and we'll look at more of it next week, but there's so much here. Psalm 103, beginning in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. To bless the Lord means to speak blessing to the Lord, but the root of the word, which is barach in Hebrew, means to kneel. It's an expression of worship and praise to the Lord. So to bless is an act ultimately of adoration. We're declaring our love for the Lord. And David, the writer, says that he blesses the Lord and he says that he does so with the deepest part of him, And then he expands that to include every aspect of who he is that is focused in on the Lord. Psalm 103 was written by David, and it is a psalm of pure praise. In it, we see David enjoying God for who he is. The psalmist has entered into the presence of the living God, and he is overwhelmed, overshadowed with God's greatness, with God's glory. One of the things that I like about this psalm so much is it doesn't contain any requests. David, as he's writing it, doesn't ask anything from the Lord. He doesn't tell him his problems. He simply focuses in on blessing God. It is a psalm that is focused on worship. And I believe it is the pinnacle of all the passages of the scripture on praise. David writes this psalm to bless an audience of one, God alone. And that ultimately is what worship is. Now, as we look at this psalm, I like to divide it into four different sections. The first section, verses one through five, is an appreciation for God's gifts. Secondly, verses six through 12, is an admiration of God's character and his grace. Verses 13 through 21 There's a sense of awe concerning God's love and the greatness of who he is. And then the last few verses, 19 through 22, is an adoration of God's person. I believe that those four words reflect four stages of worship that lead us deeper and deeper into learning how to bless the Lord. They build upon one another. And working together, they enable us to summit into the very presence of God himself, to enjoy him and to bask in the greatness of his glory. This is our life's calling. We were created for God's glory. That's what we see in Isaiah 43, verse seven. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. But seeking and displaying the greatness of God is only one dimension of our purpose. We're also invited to enjoy the fullness of who God is and what he is doing in our life and in our relationships. God wants you to desire and enjoy him. This is the satisfaction that your soul and my soul longs for. He is the life that so often seems out of reach when we try to pursue fulfillment in other ways when we try to find satisfaction in temporary things, when we're made for something eternal. The philosopher and mathematician Blaise Pascal put it this way in describing the desire of our souls. He said, All people seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. There is a universal quest amongst humanity to seek happiness. But where we seek it makes all the difference in whether or not we will find true happiness. Pascal goes on to say this, There was once in man a true happiness of which now remains to him only the mark and empty trace, which he in vain tries to fill from all his surroundings seeking from things absent the help he does not obtain in the things present but these are all inadequate because of the infinite abyss can only be filled by an infinite and immutable object that is to say only by god himself god himself is our satisfaction and he is the deepest happiness you could ever know we'll find enjoyment when we seek God for himself. He is the object of our quest. The reason we're alive is to know him. And we're designed to worship him. But worship is, is a difficult word to define because it's so big and because of the limits of human language and understanding. Here's how I like to define worship. Worship is the loving attempt to express the incalculable worth and the immeasurable beauty of God. Worship is not just singing songs on Sunday. That is an expression of worship, but it is only one expression. Every area of our life is designed to be an expression of worship to our incredible God. Your work, my work, is designed to be expressions of worship. Our conversations, uh, even the simple ordinary tasks that we do can all be expressions of worship when in the midst of them, our hearts and our minds are focused on who God is and what he has done. Worship is not a prescribed or, or static act. As individuals and as a church, we are called to grow in our worship. And the more we know God, the more intimate we are with his person, the greater our worship will be and the more of our light will shine forth into the lives of others. Because Here's the thing. When I learn to value God more, the natural result is that I value other people more as well because they are made in His image. Our goal as believers, both individually and corporately, should be to grow and to, to learn to value God more and more highly. So let's look at this progression of worship, both in our lives individually and in the church. Let's begin here with an appreciation for God's gifts. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. All that is within me. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. But also, did you notice how personal David is? He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Every person is created to worship God. And in worshiping him, we find life that reaches into the deepest part of who we truly are. So here's what we're to do. We're to let our imaginations bless the Lord by pure and holy thoughts. Let your affections praise him by loving what he does. Let your desires bless Him by seeking only His honor and His glory. Look at the next verse. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. How often, especially when we're going through times of trial, of difficulty, or uncertainty, do we forget all of God's benefits? We need to think back at what God has done, what He's done in creation, what he has done through his commands. Do you realize that law and good societal order is a reflection of the principles of God's design for what is right and just? And so when it works, when we see things go correctly, whether it's in government or in the court system or just in society as a whole, it's because it's reflecting God's character in a way that shows true justice shows true order that shows truth we're also to remember what jesus has done remember who he is in all his fullness as we looked at on easter sunday we're to remember that he is not just the suffering savior he is the risen reigning and soon to return king remembering is an intricate part of blessing god And so we need to let our memories bless the Lord by not forgetting any of his goodness towards us, towards those that we care about. God is incredibly good. There's an old song that says it so well, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings and see what God has done. We're to let our thoughts bless him by meditating on the excellence of what he has done. Let your hope praise Him by longing and looking for the glory that is to be revealed in and through Him. Let your every sense bless Him by its faithfulness. Let your every word bless Him by truth. Let your every act bless the Lord through integrity. All of these are expressions of worship. And you want to be creative in the things that you thank the Lord for. For instance, many people will take time when they begin a meal and they'll say a blessing, and we thank the Lord for the food. That's a good thing to do. But let me encourage you to go farther. Thank the Lord for the flavors, the the diversity of flavors that we have, for the textures that are there that we get to enjoy. All of those are incredible gifts that he's given to us. And we should thank him and praise him for that. Verse three, it gets even more important. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Until sin is forgiven, we cannot know true healing, redemption, love, or satisfaction. God's graces are all built upon the foundation of his forgiveness. Because of Jesus, God forgives our sin. God forgives our iniquity. That word that we see here in English, iniquity, carries along with it the idea of guilt from conscious wrongdoing. And that's so important. It's not just the mistakes that we make. He forgives those acts of rebellion where you and I choose to do the wrong thing even when we know it's wrong. That's real forgiveness, that God forgives us even of those things through faith in Jesus Christ. He forgives the evil deeds, the thoughts, and the attitudes of our heart and life. Jesus Christ purchased forgiveness for us on the cross. Every sin in the life of a believer is covered by the sacrifice of Jesus and the cleansing of his blood. In this world, we still live under the effect of sin, and we do so until the redemption of our bodies, the scripture tells us. It talks about that both in Romans and in 1 Corinthians. This is why we still experience injustice, suffering, sickness, and ultimately physical death. But we are freed from the penalty of sin, and the spirit of a follower of Jesus Christ is born anew to life everlasting In him, the one who forgives all of our iniquity, all of our sin, all of our guilt, and all of our shame. The psalm will talk about this even more in in a few verses. But he also says here in verse 3, who forgives all your iniquity and who heals all your diseases. God is our healer. He is saying that when we are healed, as we often are, it is God who has done it. We need to give God praise for every breath that we breathe because each one of them is a gift. He is the healer of the body as well as of the soul. He's the one who can change us and heal us and make us whole. Therefore, such health as we have been given is a gift from God and God should be praised for it. Now, he's not saying we will never experience sickness or physical death. We know that we do. But God is the source of healing. All healing, whether it's a miraculous restoration, which I've had the privilege of seeing numerous times, where God literally took a person from their deathbed and through following the the pattern of Scripture in prayer and anointing with oil, that person went from being on the verge of death to being restored. God works miraculously, He still does miracles. But all healing is from God. Sometimes it's dramatic like that. Far more often, God heals through medicine or through the skills of a physician. But it ultimately comes from God, who is our healer. He is the one who sustains us. He is the one who gives us life. And so we should praise him. We understand that there are godly people who suffer illness despite repeated prayers for healing. And even though God is not bound to heal every disease, every healing does come from him. But it is an assured hope that we wait for the completion of God's restoration. And we find our ultimate healing in his presence. Here's what he promises in Revelation 21, verses three through five. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. That's the hope that we long for, that one day at the return of Jesus Christ, all injustice will be made right, all sickness will be dealt with, every tear will be wiped away, and we will be completely new in his presence. Until that moment, all of creation is under the brokenness that sin has brought to the world. But we have a God who is working bringing restoration for his glory and his honor. And we should give him praise. The next verse goes on and says this, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Well, take some moments and think about what are some of God's gifts that you're thankful for? We've seen some of them already listed here in the psalm. God forgives us of our sin. God heals us of our brokenness. God redeems us from the pit, which is another way of saying from the grave. We have the hope of the resurrection, that God will rise us again from the dead. And to be absent from the body for the believer is to be present with the Lord. That is our hope. He goes on to say that he crowns us with love and mercy. That means that he both gives us love and mercy and he makes us active agents who show his love and mercy towards others. And then did you see the last part of verse five? It's so important. God satisfies us with good so that we are renewed. We are able to be restored like an eagle to mount up above the circumstances that we're in and to soar, to see things from God's perspective. The psalm says, God, you alone are the one who satisfies the hunger of my innermost being. And the Lord is the one who renews us so that we can wait and hope for the restoration that comes in Jesus Christ. And along the way, we can see him do incredible things in our lives through our lives, and in the lives of others as well. This is where we begin to bless the Lord. It's, it's how we begin to worship, an appreciation for God's goodness. I want to encourage you this week to meditate on Psalm 103. Focus your mind on God's goodness. Begin by expressing gratitude and thankfulness for God's goodness to us. This step, is highlighted by recognizing as well the depth of our need for God. Without Him, we are nothing. We appreciate God's gifts of life, of provision, of salvation, but also the smaller things. Every little detail is a way that we can praise God and thank Him for His goodness, appreciate what He has done. If worship feels kind of like a foreign word to you, that's the place to begin choose to be thankful to God. Look for ways to express your appreciation for all that he has done for your family, for your friends, thank him for his gifts, thank him for life, thank him for Jesus, so that you begin to develop a heart of gratitude and appreciation for God and learn to express that back to him. So I want to encourage you to take some time to express your appreciation for God, to God, for his indescribable gifts. Write some of them down. Bless the Lord by telling him the things that he has done that you are rejoicing in. Begin to count your blessings and speak them out loud. In fact, I'm going to encourage you to do something that maybe will seem a little strange, um, but I think it's a, it's a great exercise. Let me encourage you to take a, a dry erase marker. Now that you can go to a paper store again here in Prague, get a dry erase marker and begin to write out some of the benefits of the Lord on your mirror. And each morning as you go and brush your teeth or comb your hair, wash your face, write out some other things that you're thankful for and allow one side of the mirror to begin to be filled with the blessings that the Lord has given to you and thank Him for them. That's a way we can sim- be simple in our expression and we can Uh, work in a way that blesses the Lord. Well, that's the first step. That's the appreciation for God's gifts. Verses six through 12 give us the next step, how to move even closer in worship and honoring the Lord and learning to bless him even more. Let's look at beginning in verse six of Psalm 103. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed God in his grace promises to balance the scales. Throughout his word, God reveals that he has a heart for those who are afflicted, those who are marginalized. When we look at our world, when we watch the news, we see people who are disadvantaged taken, taken advantage of over and over again by those who are powerful or wealthy. That goes against the very heart of God. God sees it all. He records it all. And he promises that one day he will restore justice. And so he's the one that we can turn to. So therefore, we need to recognize that God sees it all. And we can admire his character, that he is a God who is holy, who is just, but also one who is merciful. Verse 7 goes on to say, He has made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. God in his grace makes himself known. He has given us his word so that we can know him personally. Isn't that good news? If, there's, if you can't think of any other reason to spend time in God's word every day, then you just need to recognize this is God speaking to you and to me about who he is, about the things that are close to his heart, about how he sees you and how he sees me, as well as the things that are happening around us. We can get to know him when we immerse ourselves in his word. Verse eight through 10 goes on and says this. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I have to tell you, I'm so thankful for that because there are many times when I give God cause for anger, but he is gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. That's good news. God loves us. He does discipline us, but he is not a taskmaster who is beating his slaves into submission. He is a father teaching his children how to live. And that's good news. You see, that's, that's what we can admire about the Lord the way that he loves us, the grace that he shows towards us. Look at the next verses. Verses 11 through 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that verse But it is absolutely incredible. I want you to think about, how far is the east from the west? Well, they're completely separate. If if you think about the earth, there as a sphere, if you begin to walk north and you eventually walk all the way north to the North Pole, once you pass that point, you begin to walk south. But if you begin to walk east, you will never, ever be walking west. You see, they're totally different points on the compass. They're different directions that never meet. That's what he's saying about what he does with our sin is he separates it as far as the east is from the west where it never, ever comes together. So do you wrestle with guilt over past sins? Does shame defeat you? Well, think about how God has forgiven you. And he says he's taken that. And the New Testament, it tells us that he is nailed to the cross and the record is nailed to the cross, completely dealt with through Jesus Christ. And then he says he takes those sins and he separates them as far as the east is from the west. That's good news. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God we worship. So what are some of God's attributes that you admire? The second step in blessing God is to learn to admire God's beauty, His character, His attributes. I want to encourage you to meditate not just on Psalm 103, but maybe this week spend some time in Psalm 27. Focus your soul on the greatness and beauty of God. Because as we step into this next aspect of worship, of admiration, we begin to discover more and more about who God really is begin to know him as a person not just as some being that seems separated from us but we get to see his personality his character his heart and that is incredibly beautiful think also about the beauty of what god has made maybe you want to take a a walk in nature this week especially now that things have opened up a little bit you can travel outside the city maybe you want to take a walk in in one of the area parks And just look at the wonder of God's creation. Thank him for him. Thank him that he is such an incredible artist in the beauty of what he has made. Meditate on the beauty of his love as he's revealed himself through his word and especially through Jesus Christ. You see, in this stage, we begin to think about God more and more often and we have a greater desire to please him. If you really want to grow in your admiration of God, Make a commitment to get to know him better. Spend that time in the Bible, in the Word, so that you can see who he truly is. And if you have questions about that, we invite you to write us. If you read a verse that doesn't make sense to you, feel free to write us and we'll do our best to come alongside of you and help you to see its context and, and help you to understand it as best we are able because we're on a journey as well. But we're on this journey together. The Bible contains God's love letter to us. These are the words of our Creator, the Heavenly Father who adopted us and the loving Savior who died for us and the Holy Spirit who indwells every believer. The Bible has been supernaturally infused with power to accomplish the eternal objectives of its divine author. But we must get to know Him better. So maybe you can use some of these questions to, to stir an interest in discovering what God is like. I want to encourage you to spend some time thinking about these things, thinking about God's attributes. What are God's character traits? What's he like? Next week, we'll examine some of God's names. How do the names of God reflect his role in relating to us as individuals and to this world? God's purposes. What are the plans and priorities that God has? God's ways. What are the methods that God uses? And how does God work in our lives and in our world? How has God demonstrated His love for us? Even His commandments. I want you to think of them beyond what you see on the surface. What is God trying to accomplish through those commands? What is he protecting and preserving in society and in humanity in the commands that he gives to us? You see, when we look below the surface, before beyond just the do's and the don'ts, we see the very heart of God who loves us in ways that are far beyond our understanding. As we begin to appreciate what God has done, and then treasure who he is, we grow in worship. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see more of who God truly is so that we can behold the magnificence of the one who with outstretched arms willingly gave his life for us. So I want to encourage you today, even even right now, to take some time and express your admiration for God's character. It's so important that we learn to do that, that we learn to love him for who he is. So I want to thank you for joining with us today. If you have spiritual questions, feel free to write to us, email us, or message us there on Facebook or YouTube, because we'd love to come alongside of you and help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. Also, if you have a spiritual need, a prayer request, Or maybe you desire to take a step of obedience like baptism. We have a baptism that's coming up soon. We have also some that are joining in church membership. We just invite you, even though this has been a strange season with all the restrictions and lockdown, the church is still the church. And so there are ways that we can accomplish those things. And uh, we want to find creative ways to be together, creative ways to do the things that God has called us to do. So thank you for joining with us today. And as we explore pathways to knowing God and making him known, we just encourage you to spend more time in his word and spend some time focusing in on the attributes and characteristics of God.